0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I'm excited about our interview today. We are going to be talking with Nicole Kyle, the managing director and co-founder of CMP customer management practice research at cmp research and she joined in 2021 she joined cmp she was with gartner prior to that for about eight years she knows research and specifically we are going to be talking about self-service digital self-service artificial intelligence I love this topic. I hope you do, too. There's a lot that we are going to learn today. Before we get started, a quick announcement. If you have an amazing story that you want to share or a question that you want to ask, reach out to me on any of the social media channels. I am everywhere. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll either answer the question there on this show and my newsletter, The Shepherd Letter, or... I'll do it on my TV show which is Be Amazing or Go Home and you can find episodes on Amazon Prime, Roku, Apple TV or just go to beamazing.tv and you can watch and binge all of them at once. All right everybody, it's time to get into our interview with Nicole Kyle Nicole, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, excited to be here.
1: It's great to see you again. You know, I get I get lucky. I go to the CCW conference And I'm proud to be a member of the advisory board. And I get to see your smiling face in our board meetings. And so you are the managing director and co-founder of CMP Research, CMP being customer management practice. Uh, And this is just uh, really the last three years or so. Uh, You came from Gartner, known for amazing research, where you're there for eight years. And uh, now you're with us over here at CMP and CCW. So tell us what your role is and what you've been working on lately.
0: Yeah, thanks, Shevin. We so appreciate your support of uh, with, with our advisory board. So CMP Research, we are a fit for purpose research and advisory service that exclusively focuses on customer contact, CX, and the intersection of those things with future of work. Um, we we really live and breathe customer contact the way the rest of CMP does, whether our events division or our digital division, as, as you mentioned. Um, and from a research perspective, we've really been focused in these last three years on the two sides of the customer contact coin so one side being employee experience and agent experience right and then the other side being cx and and when it comes to cx customer experience we've we've just wrapped our latest research initiative on self-service and how preferences for self-service are evolving and and just really how the customer is evolving and and as a result what they're expecting from a self-service experience so it's been a lot of fun and uh yeah just really really love what we do
1: And that's what we're going to talk about today is self-service and uh, digital customer experience, meaning you can do it yourself if you're a customer. You don't have to talk to anybody if you choose not to. And I think smart companies recognize that some customers prefer that, but they also make available the person on the backside, the human to human contact when needed. So let's just start off the bat. Self-service. It's been around for a long time. How do you see, uh, how have you seen this evolve over, say, the last 10 years?
0: Yeah, so the last 10 years, it's kind of been like things were going along at roughly the same uh levels or pace for, I don't know, maybe the first seven. And then in the last three years, things have really, really changed. But to speak more broadly, I mean, certainly something that's affecting self-service in the last 10 years is something we talk a lot about as an industry, which is the Amazon effect, which is our customers are constantly being trained by other organizations and companies uh, around customer experiences that we have no control over unless their expectations change and align with really the best experience they've had. Not the best experience they've had with us, not the best experience they've had with a fellow, you know, utility company or fellow financial services company. It's just the best experience they've had um, with maybe a couple of exceptions, right? Um, Hospitality, you're going to have different expectations for a luxury hotel than you would for something else. But that, you know, that real inflection point, like the major inflection point, like with a lot of future work trends, has been the add the... pandemic frankly and how that's changed just people it's changed society it's changed people and as a result it's changed customers Mm -hmm. um we, we talk a lot about in this latest research initiative how the the normalization of digital experiences so whether that's you know Having like Zoom parties or hanging out with people virtually, that was normalized because we had to do that in COVID. And now a lot of us just do that virtual coffee chats if you're networking, right? Things like that. Um, the shift in how customers are prioritizing work versus life. I mean, you're hearing so much about like four-day workweek pilots and a lot of unions are on strike right now. There's a real fundamental shift in how Americans are starting to view leisure time versus work time, especially if they're digital workers. Um, And that's because like, you know, being locked down for two years of your life, you and and losing that time, so to speak, you do, it puts things into perspective a pandemic and it puts things into perspective about how much you value your time and how you want to spend that time. Um, So really what what we have is a new set of priorities um, as people and as a society, and thus our customers have a new set of priorities. And that's really contributing to the fact that Customers want to be more self-sufficient these days. You know, 72% of customers say they want to spend less time interacting with customer service, going back to that premium on their own time, right? So right. those are those are a couple of things we're, we're serving.
1: So here's some fun stats and facts from our annual yeah. research. Are you ready for this? 38% of customers would rather clean a toilet than call customer support.
0: Okay. Ouch. Yeah.
1: Ouch. Yeah. You know, and. Eh. And yeah. So we could go on on. You know how many would rather go to the dentist than call customer support? We've got stats, but I do know this: that I believe uh, I think it's fifty-two percent of single people said they would rather date somebody that delivers great customer service. But that's a, for another topic, another d- day, and for another app. I believe it's called Tender. But <laughs> so I think you said some really interesting things. By the way, I think I finally some found somebody that talks as fast as I do. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's you. I love it. Don't no, no, no. I just gotta say we are gonna do like a 90 minute uh, podcast in in about 20 to 25 minutes. That's the right. way it works. So you, you know, you mentioned uh, that uh, there's a big percentage of customers that would prefer or want to use self service. The pandemic, by the way, taught customers to go digital who hadn't yeah. been that digital in the past because they exactly. were forced to, right? And yeah. At the same time, we saw an interesting spike in human-to-human contact because some people, even if they wanted to go self-service, they just wanted to talk to somebody in the pandemic. They were were feeling very closed in and alone. Uh, But our stats have shown that the use of digital self-service over the last three years has actually gone from 41% and 21, let's not count the pandemic in 20, but kind of coming out of the pandemic in 21, uh, to 35% down to 31% this year. I, I yeah. do believe, you know, you would think, wow, shouldn't they be getting smarter? Now, I don't know if that's what you've seen. I, I, now, people can't see this because it's an audio program, but you're shaking your head no. Uh, you're you're seeing some different results.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, different, but also not different. So um, what we're seeing is that customers who who have a poor self-service experience, are then less likely to return to self-service. So Mm -hmm. I think if you're seeing like self-service and and our clients are seeing this too, that's why they come to us asking like, how do I increase my customer adoption of self-serve? There's, you see an increase in preference for less time spent with customer service, less time calling in, less time spent with live customer service, more preference for being self-sufficient but you're not seeing the customer adoption of self-service channels that we actually offer rise at the same rate, that's because we're not offering the type of self-service experience that they want. Um, we're not offering something that's easy, that's fast, uh, that that is personalized, which I can talk more about. Right. Um, you know, that that question of um, how do we set up a self-service experience if people want to use it? Um, that's huge. And then also getting the opportunity cost of getting it wrong once a customer is uh, much more, Uh, likely to not return to a self-service channel if if they've been, you know, burned once, once before.
1: Right. And I think that's pretty much the way it is. You, you, they, they get stung a little bit and they're reluctant. And uh, so, which I would imagine that there's probably a great question out there about uh, if you use self-service options, um, how often do you feel you get good self-service versus bad? I don't know what the right wording is. That's your job to come up with those kinds of words. <laughs> but what's interesting is that, yeah, the phone is still the number one way people like to communicate, right? but you know, our stats say 69%. And he, But at the end of the day, here's what we're looking at today. Today, 2023, as we move into 24, I think things are going to shift dramatically. And tell me what you think of this. Uh, we now, if by, by the way, we did our survey in January, which is about a month or so month and a half after chat GPT came out. But in January, if we'd have asked all the consumers, do you know what chat GPT is? And by the way, chat GPT is kind of like Xerox, you know, here's, you want a copy. It doesn't matter what the name of the or is. Give me a Xerox copy. Give me some Kleenex, even though it's not Kleenex, like chat GPT is like the default, um, company or phrase for, uh, this artificial intelligence that's able to communicate with us almost human-like. Uh, but if you to ask, do you know what chat GPT is in January? I think that 80%, 75, 80% would say, I don't know what you're talking about, but if we asked them today toward the end of 2023, the same year, I think 75, 80% would say, oh yeah, I love it. I use it. I've, I've you know, written a love letter to my spouse, I've written a poem, uh, I've cheated on my homework with it, uh, you know, whatever, you know, and of course, they probably recognize they may have been involved with a bot, a chat bot that they assume is a chat GPT type of technology. Uh, you agree, disagree? Do you see the trend of, of uh, I guess, knowledge and comfort and exposure helping us there?
0: Yeah. So it's it's so funny. It goes back to that point around like digital dexterity of society and less of customers is improving as a generalization. Um, and so as they become more digitally dexterous, you know, digital experiences normalized in the pandemic, digital tools, generative AI starting to help people in their day-to-day lives um, that's going to make them more digitally capable of interacting with similar tools in our self-service channels. So no, I, I do by and large agree. It's funny, just as a quick aside, you mentioned the love letter. Um, a friend of mine, uh, best friend since college, he, um, he used chat GPT like as a prank to write a love letter to his wife and his wife thought he actually wrote it and it was so sweet. And then he revealed, revealed it was his experiment with chat GPT, but he shall remain nameless. Anyway. Um, and did, did yeah. she,
1: how did she react to that once she found out?
0: <laughs> she, she was less thrilled, less thrilled. About <laughs> less that. thrilled.
1: Uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it was ingenious that he took the time <laughs> to try to do it. And, and that's, do what, it he right. said, he that's what he said. Yeah, so that's that's what he just needed a little help. So chat GPT is a new Cyrano de Bergerac.
0: There you go. There you go. I love that. I love that. I got to write that one down. You really do. You really do. Um, but to to yeah to your question that digital dexterity is improving. I, I will say a majority of customers do say that they can tell the difference between um, an AI like if you take chat for example, they can tell the difference. They can tell when they're talking to an AI driven chatbot versus when they're in a live chat. Um, and I think that's less of a reflection on like our ability to as customers to assess technology, and probably more a reflection of the quality of chatbots on average. Um, But, you know, I I think what we're seeing is customers are willing to use these tools if the results are good. Um, So it it, it sounds so simple, but um, it's about the tool that you use and and making sure it's delivering that that positive customer experience.
1: And it's easier than ever to get a good tool today. It's less expensive than it's ever been, which is really important for companies to know. Let's take a short break. When we come back. Uh, I want to talk more about self-service, digital self-service. I want to talk about AI. Uh, That's the hottest topic uh, for years, but really this year it's coming to a head. And we are going to continue this conversation with Nicole Kyle, the managing director and co-founder of CMP Research. That's customer managed practice. Don't go away. We will be right back. One of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department. It's a philosophy And it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time and that's 24 7. so if customer service is important to you and i know it is then you will love our virtual training the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime anywhere now the course content applies to everyone regardless of position responsibility from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between you'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experiences and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused.
0: You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken.
1: We are back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Nicole Kyle, the managing director and co-founder of CMP Research. I geek out over all this stuff. I love research, uh, especially in the world of customer service and experience, which is my world. So let's keep on the same thread. We're talking about uh, customers' preferences, their expectations, what they like, uh, some changes that have happened over the years. Uh, what do you see really uh, your biggest change in the customer's perception of self-service digital customer service?
0: Yeah, it's it's been really fun studying this because one of the things that's come out is we as an industry, we assume that a self-serve experience is the success metric for what customers want when it comes to digital experiences. But when we dug into those customer preferences, it actually showed that customers want something more akin to a self-directed experience. And the difference between those things, self-serve is enabling customers to attempt to solve their issue themselves. There's no guarantee of issue resolution, which we all know, and customers know. The next iteration of that, like on that maturity curve, is self-sufficiency. I, customer, I as a customer, Mm -hmm. resolved my issue. I was sufficient uh, the way that you as the company or organization have dictated to me. Um, So it's self-sufficient. I I, I did what you asked and it got to resolution in the channel and and direction that you provided me where they want to be is self-directed. And the way we define self-directed is I resolve my issue the way that I want. And the reason for that distinction between those three things, you can't jump straight from self-serve to self-directed. It is a sequence. Uh, you, you, we saw in the data that the number one driver of satisfaction in a self-serve experience specifically is personalization. And people want, customers want control over their service experience, which has been really fun to see come out in the data because it was a hypothesis we had going in. I think it's, and let me get the exact number, I think it's like 75% of customers say they want control, 78% of customers say they like to have control over how they're served. Um, so that's, that's really where that distinction between and, self And let me make sure I understand
1: what that means. Yeah. and uh, They want control over how they are served, meaning uh, they want to be able to choose between self-service and something else, or is it in the self-service process, they want more control?
0: Within the self-service process, they want okay.
1: more control. Okay. And, and how do they get, you, you use the words personalization. So in my mind, I'm thinking, the computer not only knows the answer to my questions, but it also knows who I am exactly. based on my past buying purchases, behaviors, patterns, whatever. Um, and and so it's able to say, by the way, I think I had a very similar experience. I was on a website and I needed to see how many credits I had left. Yeah. Uh, I We do this website analysis and we have like 30,000 credits a month and we usually low through about 20, 25,000. So I asked, uh, and I couldn't find it. Uh, where do I see how many credits I have and the machine? And by the way, uh, here's something, here's how, you know, you don't, you're not dealing with a human. The answer came back in like one second. It was a nice long paragraph. Nobody types that fast, right? But the answer came back, says, uh, look in the upper left-hand corner under settings. uh, There's a drop-down menu. Click on this, and you'll see how many credits you have left. By the way, we notice uh, you have this many credits left out of so much, and those will renew on the fifth of the month. And I went, wow. So it gave me the answer, and then it told me even more about me. Yeah
0: yeah exactly. and taking that further, you know predictive right, and getting into proactive self service if if you know you're this type of customer who often asks these types of things, do we then suggest this other thing um but give you an easy out if you don't want to engage with that right? like that that control over how you're served and and this is also why it's, I think we're seeing in the data that self service portals are. Of all the self-service channels, they tend to be the most effective. Um, customers are happiest and have highest CSAT within them relative to like other self-service channels, like an FAQ portal or um, an IVR. Um, people really like- IVR for, for those
1: that aren't familiar industry jargon. Uh, it's where, you know, push one for this and two for that and three yeah. for this. That's that's uh, your your IVR, uh, interactive yeah, exactly. virtual response.
0: Exactly. And, and those self-service portals are places where, so again, people on industry know what we mean. Those are the places where it's typically like in e-commerce, uh, you know, an, an account page where you can go pro- uh, start to process a return, check the status of your order. Um, doesn't have to be an account page, but you actual portals where you can do things yourself and take action. You can order a new card, you can change your address, you can refill a gift card. Those are the types of self-service Um, cha- That's the type of self-service channels where we're seeing the highest satisfaction. There's also a place where, we're seeing a lot of companies have them. um and also a lot of companies think sixty percent plan to increase their level of, of investment in that channel as well.
1: Yeah, which is great because I think customers love being able to take matters into their own hands, yep. especially on the easier um issues like, did a product ship? What's my bank balance, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I want to ask a a question on on what your opinion is. Um, do you think? this is going to replace jobs in Mm. the customer support world. And is it going to eliminate them, replace them? And do you see, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions all in one. And do you see the companies that you're serving and working with uh, cutting jobs, adding jobs? What's going on out there in the job market in the customer service world?
0: Yeah, so... As far as what's happening right now in the job market in the customer contact world, the labor market is tight. We know that um, there's still you know more more jobs than people. We're seeing that in a macro sense too. Um, um, unemployment is low. Um, we're advising a lot of clients on how to how to hire and um, you know make an attractive employer value proposition so they can attract good talent. Long term, to your question, with increased investment in self service channels, increased investment in uh, both conversational and generative AI. Um, I, I can't say for sure if it's going to cut jobs, but I can tell you, I think it's about 60% uh, of, of executives say that they believe increased customer adoption of self-service will um, re, uh, reduce the, the frontline workforce requirements. The, the good news there is it might reduce the frontline customer-facing workforce, but it's going to create jobs internally in customer contact functions for people who need to monitor the tools, who need to want to do business intelligence and extract data from these tools. So I think just because jobs are taken away in one role or one level in the organization, it doesn't mean um, similarly entry-level jobs might created elsewhere, but it's more around tool management, IT infrastructure management, data analysis that still has to do with customer contact. It's just not necessarily um, as many openings for like answering the phones.
1: Right. The other and, thing that's pretty, but, yeah, go on. That's the same as any anytime there's a shift where a technology disrupts something yeah. from the past, something new. the the jobs don't completely disappear. they they end up being replaced. And this is important. Somebody has to be willing to take the initiative to be uh, to be able to learn something new and and willing to try a new role uh, if they want to stay in this field. And it sounds to me what you're saying is, you can stay in the field. You just may not be doing it the same way you used to do it, which is to pick yeah. up the phone and say, hello, what's your problem today? And
0: exactly. you know, may I
1: help you? And I need your name, your phone number, your your seventh child's middle name, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this is great. Well, we're starting to wind down here. I'm not gonna ask you my final question yet, but could you just give me an idea of how uh, generative AI and um those technologies are supporting internally the person who's actually interacting with a customer, the customer service agent.
0: Yeah. So it's so fascinating. Generative AI pilots right now for the organizations who are piloting them uh, of that chunk, most of them are focusing those pilots on agent experience, agent assist, agent knowledge bases right now. Um, And I, and it's for a very good reason Uh, with any pilot, you know, you want to, take the lower risk approach. And for organizations, um, it is relatively lower risk to introduce these tools, gain lessons learned from agent-facing pilots before rolling something out to your customer. So I think that's very smart. Um, You'll be able to take those lessons learned and and translate them and apply them to the customer experience for Gen AI tools. Um, The other cool thing, though, is it's improving the agent experience when it's working. Um, And that's because agents are able to be more self-sufficient, agents have an always-on resource. If for whatever reason you can't reach your manager or can't reach a peer, you can interact with uh, a generative AI-enabled knowledge base and get the answer you need. Super helpful, especially in a remote or more distributed environment. Uh, the risks I think that you run are um, if, if people lean too heavily into the tool only um, they, you know, silos could potentially get worse, right? If you're not also making time to connect with peers, connect with your manager. Um, but that's a good problem to have uh, if your tool is working so well, um, in, in that regard. And I, I don't know if too many organizations are at that point yet. Um, AI AI for employees is also going to take just some of those low value repeatable tasks off their desks, hopefully help with burnout as a result. Um, I think where, you know, we start to get into a different burnout conversation is just the larger pattern of as more contacts overall maybe move to self-serve, then it's the really complex stuff that's left over for live agent support. And then that can get very taxing in terms of complexity. It can be engaging if you strike the right balance, but if the workload's too heavy, it can result in burnout. So a lot of cool things happening there. 86% of customer contact organizations plan to or are already using generative AI in their agent knowledge bases by 2025.
1: Wow. That's great. And I love that you used a word a moment ago that I like to use. And when I describe like how much should we do or how little should we do, there's the word balance. You've got to find the balance and it's going to be different from one industry to the next. Uh, And as, as the tool gets better, It's going to change uh, the balance, no doubt. All right, we're down to the final question. Do you have one last nugget of information or something you want to share with us that you just, this audience needs to know about? What what is it?
0: I just want to reiterate the importance of starting to think about the long-term goal for your self-service experience for customers being a self-directed experience, moving beyond, pushing beyond self-service as the accepted vision or accepted end state, really thinking about how can I inject personalization and more customer control over self-service and and get them to issue resolution faster. I think that's, that's what I'd emphasize.
1: I love it. I love it. And you gave us earlier some great uh, definitions and examples of what the difference between a regular self-service and self-directed service is. Love it. All right, Nicole, this is why we call it amazing business radio. This has been amazing. I learned so much and I can't wait to see you again at the next CCW board meeting.
0: Yeah. Likewise, Jeff. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And by the way, just a plug for CCW, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's the largest contact center um, exhibition and conference in the world. Uh, There's three of them. Uh, The big one's in Vegas coming up in June. It's early June this year, which kind of threw me off a little bit. Usually it's later June. Uh, But then uh, the next one is in... Is it February or March in? It's uh,
0: late January. Uh, late,
1: it, that's what I meant to say. Late January that's okay. <laughs> in uh, Nashville. Austin. No, Austin. Like I was Austin. saying, it was just in Nashville. Now it's going to it be in Austin. It was just in yes. Nashville.
0: It was just in Nashville and we had a great time. And, and thank you for the kind words. It's a lot of fun. And I, I should say, actually, to bring it full circle, we were at a, so CMP Research, we always run research workshops on the site at our Customer Contact Week events. And at one of our research workshops on this topic one of our attendees who I'll, you know she'll remain nameless she didn't sign off on, on me quoting her um but she's a genius because she said uh improved self-service for people who want to self-serve will result in better live support for people who want live support. And I think that was such a nice summary of why it's important to focus on increased customer adoption of self-serve. It's not about replacing jobs. It's not about uh, just cost reduction. It's not just about uh, deflection. Uh, it's, it's about that ultimate end goal of a better customer experience for everyone.
1: All right. Well said and a perfect note to end on. Thank you very much. Everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. Until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.